0: And welcome to season 3 episode 63 of Bad Voltage. Now this is going to be a little bit of an interesting one because there's only two of us. There's Mr. Stuart Ian Langridge who is on the other side of the uh, virtual divide here. How are you doing, Mr. Language?
1: <laughs> the virtual divide—that sounds rather terrible. I don't know where there?
0: that came from. I just—I <laughs> just got back from a conference. That's where that came from. I was leveraging hyperscale credibility. Um.
1: I don't doubt it. I really don't. But yes, um, Jeremy, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy can't make it for this episode, so um, we're going to um, record the two of us. But no worries. Um, yes. And yeah. There's a. It's interesting. There's simultaneously a lot of news, but. There's not really anything which fires me up. All the news is kind of, oh, um, well, that's a bit sad. But there are a couple of things which um, you managed to come up with. Yeah. So – Yeah, we got uh, some
0: interesting stuff. So why don't Yeah,
1: what do you want to start with? Why don't you get us started? Because I want to hear about how apparently we get to fly into the center of New York now. (laughs) Should we
0: start with that? Because that's an interesting (laughs) one. Um, So uh, starting with some properly space age shit – so governor eric adams um has said that within our lifetime many of you are going to be your own personal uh you you you, many of you are going to own your own personal electric helicopter uh eric adams seems to think that everybody's lifetime is going to end two years from now (laughs) because it's uh he thinks that he thinks everything's going to be uh everyone's gonna be flying around in helicopters uh by 2025 but basically um 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 there's a there's a transportation startup called hilariously titled Jobby Aviation. I know. Maybe I, it's
1: I am assuming it's Joby they, rather than Jobby, but yeah, a, a quick I tip, mean, a quick tip for them. If they take off and they decide to go out there <laughs> into the world and be called Jobby Aviation, don't open a branch in Glasgow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, for those of you who are a bit confused about what we're talking about, uh, a lot of Scottish people will refer to a jobby as a poo. Um Anyway, uh, uh, so they uh, did a demo flight of this six prop electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, uh, and it was part of a press conference that was being held by uh, Mayor Adams. Um, And he basically has said, you know, we want to have people flying around in these things uh, by 2025. Now, the reason why I added this as a news item is that if it was, you know, a lot of like, I think it's California say, well, we should be completely electric cars. You know, you know, we have full electric cars uh, being driven in the state by 2030. 2030 is a way off, right? Um, but 2025 is the year after next. Like, and we're pretty and, much at the end of this year. So this I, is a I, pretty- I
1: want to be clear, 2030 is a way off if you've got to wait till then for your package to be delivered. It's not a way off if you've got to build a- utterly unprecedented electric heliport in the middle of the busiest city on earth, right? Yeah. Is-
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, I know in New York, New Yorkers like to talk about this thing called Blade, which is like Uber for helicopters. So, there people are flying around New York in helicopters and people will take like private planes, like rich people will take private planes and whatever else. That's nothing new. But a uh, but a a um a, a privately driven autonomous air taxi is a whole new level so do you think this is going to happen
1: and so i'm going to read you a thing right um All right. Uh, it's designed by architect charles w glover right and uh model was presented at the institute of civil engineers in june um uh, it was envisioned that, um, uh, aircraft would, uh, will approach down what they call a new aerial way above the Pentagon Road, um, um, and landing on one of the runways, which look almost like spokes on a cartwheel, right? You'll see both regular and private flights. Businessmen owning their own small aircraft will be able to store them in garages under the, the landing area runways, um, which will be brought up by lifts when they're going to be flown and passengers taken up to the craft in much the same way via lifts from the buildings below, which make up the rest of the urban airfield. Right. Does that all sound convincing? Right. That's from <laughs> an article in the Illustrated London news in 1931 about what? How, About how they were going to build this massive great big wheel of runways on top of King's Cross Station in London, right? And all the stuff <laughs> they were sat... There's a picture of it here. It's brilliant. It's like... It's basically a huge great big cartwheel-sized th- circular runway with spokes, right? Balanced right. on top of King's Cross Station, which for those people who have not been to London, is London's main station. It's massive. And this wheel is, is... massive, yeah. This wheel is... More massive than it, and balanced on top, and all the stuff they were saying about this then in nineteen thirty one is exactly the stuff they're saying now, ninety years later <laughs> right yeah, it yeah. won't happen stop I appreciate there's a certain class of people who think I should be able to fly to work, and that should be fine it It's not going to happen right if this happens i'll it's not gonna happen it's just not right if we were doing the predictions thing for the year i would 100 predict 100 percent predict this wouldn't happen with the same fervency that will also predict that canonical either will or won't get purchased this
0: year <laughs> it's funny in this article um it says that uh it, it it says that uh that i think it's the mayor said this he he also indirectly acknowledged that fear might be the biggest hurdle facing these challenges, facing these dreams. I actually don't know if fear is the biggest challenge. I think regulation is going to be the biggest challenge. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's going to take a lot for any city to allow an automated helicopter to fly around Where, you, where, where for people who don't have any kind of pilot's license or anything like that. That... Even if people are scared to use this thing, that's step number one. I'm not scared to use
1: it. I'm scared to be standing on the street when one of these things falls out of the sky and crushes me. And more importantly, then I say, but I'm worried about that. And these people all go, oh, that's just fear talking. Like, shut up. No, it isn't. People who come up with legitimate objections to your stupid plan are not doing it out of fear. They're doing it because it's stupid. Right, it's just uh, right. I can't believe. Although you could, you could,
0: uh, you could argue in the earlier days of flight, people were terrified of you know back in the the really early days when people were designed like when airplanes were made out of wood and they didn't have a a pla- they You know, they didn't have you couldn't. There weren't passenger planes, right? Most people who were testing those planes died in the testing of them, and there was a significant amount of fear around flying. And it wasn't until Ford developed their first plane um, and they transported their staff members around it that they then started they they went on this goal of like making people not be scared of flying um because they they had i read the story about where ford had a flight and it crashed but everyone survived and ford being ford were like see they're safe (laughs) (laughs) right and i and i wonder whether there's going to be a certain amount of that like the fear eventually will pass I just don't know if the regulation. Uh,
1: see, this is the thing, right? Um, when you get on a plane, they do an absolutely psychotic amount of safety checks and you, and to this day, uh, everyone who gets on a plane has to sit there while they go through and explain how to put a seatbelt on and how to take it off and everything. This does not happen when you get in your Ford pickup truck because planes are dangerous, <laughs> which means that, right. um, the fear is there for a legitimate reason. They put a whole bunch of stuff in place to make sure that they could mitigate that that fear, sure, but also potential damage and potential risk. And none of this applies if it's just some rich right. bloke with a helicopter in a box like bloody James Bond. No. <laughs> 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 so I am skeptical about this, to be honest. Do you, with you think it will ever happen? No.
0: Or do you think it's just a matter of time? No, I do not think it will happen. So when we're old men with beards and canes, we'll have to re- we should put in google calendar if that even exists 40 <laughs> years from now we should put a thing saying uh are planes real in are private helicopters running around in new york we should
1: we sh- we should have, ask yourself right we could have had this discussion in 1931 apparently and we could have put in um Google Calendar, the flip chart edition or whatever they people did back then, one of them, a Rolodex <laughs> or something,
0: right?
1: Um, 90 years ago, will we be flying to work in five years, which people would have been promising at that point, and the answer would still be no. If anything, the world is moving away from the idea of you having to be somewhere where you'd get a plane to it anyway, at least a bit, more so than it was, 20 years ago, and that's probably only going to decrease, which is a, an extremely deft segue into a new item, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's, all right. Let's Um, hear the segue. I will, I will judge whether it's deft or not. (laughs) Right. So the deft
1: segue is that, uh, in January, Microsoft Teams is launching VR 3D meetings as part of Microsoft Mesh. Really? Yeah. And my question is, I don't want this at all. I do not want to go meet someone in <laughs> not, some stupid second
0: life. not a question, thing. by the way. <laughs> right?
1: So my question is, am I alone in that? Is everyone else champing at the bit to have meetings in some virtual 3D space? It very much feels like a solution desperately in search of a problem to me. There's loads of people keep... I mean, you look at Meta going all in on the Metaverse, they're just quietly backing away over the last 12 months. But this whole thing, there seems to be this utter belief that people want to have VR meetings. But I've seen no evidence of it in the real world. It's just demos is this a good idea would you do this Actually, you probably would do it you'd have done it in uh, yeah what was that what was that 90s thing where they did vr but it was all made out of wireframe stuff Virtualscape or whatever it's called <laughs>
0: you've done, done meetings yeah, yeah. in
1: vrml but would normal people do this
0: well so i have a few thoughts on this as you might imagine um yes so first of all um, I this is my take on it is that what i want to see is is presence that's what is most important to me i want to feel like right now you and i are looking at each other on zoom right and we're recording this not
1: not like christmas presents like knowing whether not christmas presents
0: different types of presents (laughs) and much as you and i can exchange information and we can communicate with each other it just doesn't feel the same as when i'm sat in your flat in birmingham right it's very different when we're in physically in the same space. Agreed. And I think there's a very exciting technical problem around around um, uh, making people feel present with each other when they're not actually in the same room. Recently, uh, Lex Friedman did um, a podcast with Mark Zuckerberg, and it was using their ultra realistic um, codec, codecs or codec avatars that they've built. And it really does. I mean, there's a little bit of uncanny valley there. You can see it, but you can see that it's pretty realistic. All the like little, you know, imperfections in people's faces, like, you know, their paws and whatever else was represented in there. In there. And um, Lex Friedman, who I trust his judgment, he seems like a pretty straight up guy. He basically kept saying, like, I cannot believe how real this feels. Like, it, it really does feel like we're sat in the same room. And they were just both on like the Oculus headsets. So to me, focusing on creating an environment where people are present with each other, I think is a really valuable thing, and I think, I think a lot of people would use it. My objection is this cartoony bullshit, right? So Meta did Horizon uh, Worlds or whatever it yeah. was when they launched their their expensive headset, and and I think most people, I, I think, uh, if, if, if you've met him, like our old neighbor Adam, who's really into VR. Yeah. I think a lot of VR like scholars will say, "Oh, you don't actually need photorealism. Most people don't care about that. You need to be able to see people's facial reactions." I actually don't believe that. I think they the science might say that, but I think for most people to actually be in, you know, to be in an environment, it has to look real. So to me, I don't think it's going to be 3D so much as I think it's going to be AR. I think what's going to happen is if I can sit here in my office and Somehow, I mean, this is where it's going to get tricky. Somehow, you could appear like a hologram in the room, like you're sat at the end of the desk with me. That I think will happen, and that I think people will use that. But seeing a cartoony version of Ack is just not going to—it's not going to swing it.
1: This is what the Mesh thing is. So Microsoft Mesh is a mixed reality, right? I don't know what the difference between—well,
0: uh, I do know what the difference between mixed reality and
1: augmented reality is, but it is cartoon stuff, right? It's uh, you're in a Pixar film. It's not. And, and, and if you look at Pixar films, they're all amazing and everything, but it's not like it's actually real. <laughs> um, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, and, and this is, I, I think my, my basic objection to this whole concept is your thing about presence. Sure. I get that. I just don't think you're ever going to get it. I do not think that there's going to be some useful middle ground which is not actually present um so right to 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 you um the way you're describing it is like sure there's us talking to another in a little window on our screens and it's very much mediated as that kind of experience we're not even attempting to pretend that we're in the same place or anything this is a telephone call which happens to have video and then you've got we're actually sat in the pub And you think there's some kind of middle ground where we can fake sitting in the pub where we're actually sitting here, but it feels to both of us like we're in the pub. Whereas to me, what it feels like is saying, well, I like the experience of having a chocolate bar. Being shown a JPEG of a chocolate bar is not the same. So we, so can we come up with some kind of middle ground between those two? And the answer is no. Any kind of thing where you pretend that I have a chocolate bar, but actually I don't is... Not, right. uh, not a useful thing, right? I don't care how photorealistic well, well, the picture of it is. I don't care whether it appears I, to be on my desk, but I try and bite the bloody thing. It's not there.
0: I think a lot of it will depend on the kind of situation. So actually the pub is a good example where I don't think it would work. And obviously anything involving like a physical item, like a chocolate bar, w- where you have to physically interact, in, you know, with haptics or eat something, um, wouldn't work. But, but I think but in a work that's setting, that's
1: what a lot of um, you know. Being in the same place is. Otherwise, why would you? Why does it make a
0: difference? Right. But I think I think hand it, you I think a it,
1: cup I, of tea and you drink it.
0: I suspect where it will be most useful will be um, with certain types of ex, certain types of experiences where you are exchanging information, or, or you're doing something that doesn't require physical contact. So, um, I think meetings, like Zoom, to me, Zoom meetings, hundred percent could be done. In uh, in 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 a 3D world or in like an AR world because we're not actually touching each other we're uh, we're 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 sharing information and that might be in Google Docs or Coder or Notion or whatever and then we're communicating with each other uh, and then you've got the opportunity for like actually being in a physical space where you know people are using like I don't know whiteboard type stuff um, I do think that would actually work and I think to me we're just it's very early in the journey sure what I encourages mean- me is. What encourages me is when you hear people like Lex Friedman, who's got no dog in this race, get I mean when I'd encourage everybody to watch this this interview with Mark Zuckerberg, the interview itself is kind of interesting, but not it's okay, but the the first five minutes of it he is just you can tell his mind is just blown. He's, he keeps saying like, "This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen." like he, And that I think, is resonant enough that it's worth pursuing this. You know, I don't think most people are going to sit around and uh, like in a virtual pub. But also, I actually think this is really important for people who are disabled, people who have lack of mobility, people who are living in parts of the world where it's not safe to go outside. There's a lot of like humanitarian benefits to this as well, I would I, say I, as well.
1: So, I mean, sure, the, the sci-fi film idea that we all look like we're in the same room and to each of us it all appears we're in the same room. Seems quite cool when I see it in a film. I don't know that it seems cool enough that it's worth the hysterical amount of work and effort it will take to get there. And I think there are a whole bunch of fundamental problems with it, which will mean that it's very hard to get there. And therefore, I don't think the amount of effort that will take to get there justifies the amount of work it will take to do so justifies the benefits of but, getting But, but getting you, you could left. say that but, 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 but sure yeah you yeah, could say yeah, that no. about anything though No no I get that I, I mean
0: look would... at look at the look at the, look, look at the cloud like every everything runs in the cloud now if you think about the combined amount of R&D and money that has gone into enabling an individual or a company to deploy an application onto the internet and scale up and scale down it, it probably that amount probably dwarfs the amount of money that's gone into I, yeah, a, um, I, I a, exactly. AR this and is, VR.
1: So bear with me, I could imagine um a lot of the objections that people have are things which I think are social conventions which will go away. So um Yeah. Imagine a world in which um VR meetings become the norm or at least normal. Um There'll be conventions around things like not handing someone a piece of paper anymore, which means that people will stop handing around pieces of paper in non-VR meetings. If we're all sat in the actual same conference room, it'll still be, oh, yeah, I wanted you to look at this. I've punched a button and sent it to your screen, which is directly in front of you. Even though you wouldn't need to, and you could just give them the damn bit of paper, because sometimes you'll have VR meetings and so on. Sure. So I think right. there'll be a, there'll be a whole bunch of social conventions which will grow up around this sort of thing that yeah. wouldn't have done before. So those things I don't see as much of a of a concern. It's just, I mean, I feel kind of about this the same way I feel about everyone flying around in their own private electric helicopter. That sure, I can imagine a world in which it's happened. But I don't think the journey to get there justifies what we've got once we are there.
0: I mean, comparing those two, I think the VR thing actually is, or the AR thing, depending on how it lands, is actually way more important. Because, which do uh, you, think, which I you mean, think
1: is more likely?
0: <laughs> uh, I think the AR-VR thing is way more likely. Wow, Eric, Adams, I, I Eric don't,
1: Adams, Mayor of New York, is crying his eyes out right now at <laughs> uh, 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 your skepticism and your fear.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, right. The main reason is because there's no regulation standing in the way of the VR thing. Um and um there's not like a physical safety thing that stands in the way I'm of sure, it. Sure, yeah. It's like, not like
1: it's not like if your VR meeting crashes that it falls out of the sky and kills 100 people standing outside Saks Fifth Avenue, yeah. Right. Don't
0: give me that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the thing is is like I mean, I call my parents every Sunday and we talk on Facebook Messenger because it's easier for them. Um and if I could feel like I'm sat in the same room as them, you know, if I could sit in, in my living room and the two of them in AR are positioned on my couch like they're sat there, I would spend the $3,500 on the Apple VR headset just to have that experience.
1: Oh, well, okay. Well,
0: alone. We'll see. I mean, you know, because those... I don't get to see them and it feels, it feels. <laughs> it feels different you know so speaking yeah, of we'll stuff, see what I'm, happens
1: I, i'm now into my 20th great year of hearing you yammer on about vr stuff which hasn't <laughs> happened so
0: <laughs> so
1: we'll see how it well works. You, you uh, yeah it your predictions in december that could be your thing well like what
0: what to me is going to be especially interesting without turning this into the whole show about vr is is um tablets were a thing kind of apple made them like a, a consumer item with the iPad. Same thing happened with the watch. Like, people weren't really wearing, like, nerds were wearing Android watches, but people weren't re- wearing, like, the average consumer was not wearing an, a, a smart watch. Apple knows how to take these new segments, push them into a new, uh, into a, make them consumer friendly. Now, the first Apple Vision Pro. It's so expensive. And the first version of all of these things is always too expensive.
1: Yeah, we had this discussion. I don't think the watch would have been all that popular if there was a three-inch cable dangling out of the back of it at all times. Like there is with
0: the headset. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it will be very interesting to watch how this unfolds next year because they've definitely got their work cut out for them. Um, But um, Apple just have a means of making things more consumer-friendly. So I think if they... Put it this way, I think the Apple Vision Pro is the last hurrah for VR. If that does not work, if that gets cancelled, VR is over.
1: Wow, okay. VR is over. You 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 heard it here, folks you heard it here first, folks. So so this is interesting. So when I said am I alone in not wanting stupid VR three D meetings, the answer is I'm alone on in this current podcast of just the two of us, we need Jeremy for this. He can go. This is what the actual <laughs> truth is, and then we listen. Um, but, Actually, you know what? We don't need Jeremy for
0: this <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, because
1: you know he, you know he'd come down on my side in this. You know, he'd <laughs> yes, he this were. is true. I th- I, I think. Jeremy would scorn your VR meetings idea so hard, you'd burst into flames. And I would like to see can uh,
0: Put it this way. I can feel him right now. He's not here. <laughs> I can feel him staring at me. Yeah. As I'm talking <laughs> through this stuff. <laughs> so,
1: but I'm interested. This, this is one of the ones where um, people's thoughts are interesting. So send so comment on Mastodon or whatever. Um, uh, and say, yeah. uh, this, is, this is the thing. Um, what do you think about it? Is everyone else... Desperate to be in 3D meetings, presumably so you could stay at home while doing it. You know, sounds cool. Anyway, yeah. who's next on the list? Mr. J.
0: So let's talk about Nikki Haley. She's currently running for uh, to be the Republican nominee in, in, in the US. Um, and they had the debate recently. They did. And I thought this was really interesting. I saw this on Reddit. Um, she, if she becomes president, um, which is, let us be clear, Unlikely. Um at this <laughs> point in the juncture.
1: Just a bit. Um, yes.
0: Um she wants social media's so- social media companies, I mean, she's talking about this as legislation, to one, publish their algorithms. Um, to my knowledge, the only company that's done this is X, um, formerly known as Twitter, as we always have to say. Um, nobody else has. Like there's no open source published Instagram algorithm or Facebook algorithm or anything else. And she wants to ban anonymous accounts on social media. Um, She says that this is basically, it's a security threat. She says that people should be verified on, on social media. So I don't want us to talk about Nikki Haley per se. I just think those policy questions is an interesting one. What do you think about that? Do you think, breaking into those two, do you think the social media companies should have to publish their algorithms? And then secondly, do you think they should ban anonymous accounts?
1: I think, should you publish your algorithm, is a fundamental misunderstanding of the issues. Um, Okay. Because the only reason you want that to happen is because you think there are people who are being unfairly done over. Because there's a line in the code somewhere which says, if this person is a Republican downgrade their stuff and you want to reveal it so they stop doing it. And that's just not the case, right? And this is the thing. It's it's going after a boogeyman that isn't actually the problem at all. And therefore, I don't think it's a useful tech policy proposal because it's not actually a tech policy proposal at all. It's there, to-
0: so you don't think that social media algorithms are biasing against certain types of individuals?
1: I do not think they are systematically doing so because someone sat down and decided it should happen. Now he's keeping it secret. No,
0: right, but uh, well, one, um, and I'm not an expert in this, but I think the uh, the uh, the Twitter files have taught us that, in fact, was happening, um, like that was happening actively at Twitter. Um, was the algorithm was biased against certain types of people on that platform. But two, even if it's not biased against Republicans or Democrats or whatever the you know topic of the day is, um, they certainly incentivize certain types of behavior, right? Like we knew this with Facebook, that uh, when posts started getting more likes and more reactions, the algorithm would pump them up. And that's how people learned to kick off controversial topics because it generates more people responding so they could get views so it's undeniable to me that the algorithms are doing this
1: yeah but you're not going to get anything useful out of get like they're not actually going to publish the source code they're going to publish no. a document which says these are the principles we go by, and it yeah, will these say, are the policies in how and they work, it, and it will yeah. say things like our policy is to downgrade low value information and to highlight credible information. And you say what makes something credible, and they'll go, well, we think that other credible people um have voted it up, or in Twitter's case, we think that people who've paid us money have voted it up, or whatever, and. This is not actually useful, right? Think of it this way, right? Um Someone who you don't like invites you to a party that you don't want to go to. And you right. say, I can't make it. And they say, why not? It's not like you have a notebook in your inside pocket with that person's name on a list that says party invites, and there's a a cross next to them, right? (laughs) Um, Right. You don't fancy going. If you're asked for a reason, you'll give a reason, but it won't be the real reason. And imagine that person then becomes president, which is about as likely as Nikki Haley managing it, and they say, I'm going to legislate to make sure that when I invite people to parties and they say no, they have to tell me why for real. Because the reason they think is because they don't like me very much. And I want them to have to say that in public. But you can't write legislation to do this. It doesn't make any sense. And this is the... What would it say? How how can you compel someone to do this? So,
0: well... Let's assume for the moment. Seriously,
1: if someone says, why are you coming to my party... You'll say, "Oh, I can't make it. I'm I'm washing my hair, or I'm busy that day, or whatever." You're looking basically. I don't really like you all that much, but I don't want to say well, but that. because- I'm,
0: I'm not talking about that as an example. I'm talking about algorithms. I think there's no there's no reason why you wouldn't have to publish the source code, but there's no reason why you couldn't you couldn't um, uh, publish the specification around how decisions get made with the algorithm. In the same way that you know um, you have the specifications for you know the ecma define around javascript or specifications for how certain file formats are implemented like open specifications there's no reason why the government couldn't require of social media companies they publish okay these are the this is the specification around how the how the algorithm operates now there's a whole separate question around whether they should be expected to do that but to me being able to publish the mechanics of how these algorithms operate There's no reason why they couldn't do that. Sure, but Um, what
1: you're going to get from everyone else if you demand this happens is exactly the same kind of unhelpful, meaningless stuff that you've actually got from Twitter, right? They fetch the best tweets from different recommendation sources in a process called candidate sourcing, rank each tweet using a machine learning model, and then apply heuristics and filters. Sure, But I already know that that's also how meta do things. And that's also how YouTube does things. If you said to YouTube, you have to publish your algorithm, they're going to say, we choose the videos that we think you're most likely to see by combining the output of detailed machine learning models, your previous history, people who you're marked as friends with Google's previous history, And then we rank videos in that order. And then we randomly inject some things we think you'd like to see that you don't know about into that list. We sort that list randomly and then we put it on your front page. That's a description of their algorithm, but that's not useful. We already know that's how they did. Well, there's nothing at, at that level. There's nothing secret or interesting in there. And as I say, the demand for this is because. People who don't know what a fucking algorithm is think there's a line in there which says if poster equals Nikki Haley, score equals score minus ten, and then there's a comment underneath it going because I hate her, and that's not no, but how I, it I, th- works th- I, I, at I, I all. think
0: there is. I think there is a middle ground between zero idea of how these things work and and every finite decision is mapped out and and, and visible for everybody. I if we just assume for just a moment that it's possible to document how these algorithms um, operate, right? Let's assume for a moment that 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 is possible. I know you think that it's maybe not possible. You raise a very valid question around, is it useful? Right? Like what, what would it buy us? Now I think to a degree, one benefit, but I don't think this is the benefit that Nikki Haley is necessarily looking for is that, and this was illustrated by the um, Twitter files. Is there was systematic bias in that company? It's been proven. It's been identified. There was systematic bias operating in that company. Twitter was not operating as a platform where um, all its citizens were outside of hate speech and stuff like that, which obviously shouldn't exist. But like, where all sit- all citizens users of that platform were were, were treated equally, and then. The 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 content was boosted based upon the merit of the of the content. There were certain things that just were that that, that were pushed out. Um, so that I think there's some bi- there's some benefit there. But Nikki Haley's talking about national security and psychological health of people. It seems like her is her primary issue. And to your point. If you publish the algorithm, I'm not sure what the benefits are because right, exactly. arguably it's going to just make it easier to game the algorithm. <laughs> yes, precisely. <laughs> so. I mean, what,
1: as I say, what the, the call for this is based on a fundamental misunderstanding of the problem because it assumes right. that there are gold nuggets to be found in there. Like, um, so to pick, uh, an example, so you talk about, uh, you know, Twitter unfairness and whatever. You remember when, um, Substack started up a thing and, uh, uh, arrival and uh, t- uh the, substack, the Substack notes thing started up and suddenly yep. links to Substack from Twitter stopped working. Yeah, there, I'm sure there was a line in the code, literally written in the code by a person who was told to do it, which said, if link equals Substack.com, don't show the link, right? That sort of gold nugget thing is literally there. But first of all, Twitter's we published the algorithm, didn't publish that. And secondly, again, it's not useful. Because like you say, if if your concern is about the psychological health of the platform as a whole, then the issue is that what gets boosted and what gets played up is stuff which makes people angry, makes people react, not stuff which makes them calm. And it's not stuff which makes them step away from the screen either. and. Yeah. What good is the out al- having the algorithm out there, which says, yeah, we attempt to deliberately boost stuff, which is going to keep people viewing the screen. You go, yeah, that's bad, but we already know they do that. If that's your problem, legislate against that. Sure.
0: I mean, one, one, one conceivable benefit that, that, that we would have is it would mean that you could actually have an open conversation about, um, the Im- the impact and implication of these algorithms, right? Like uh, one thing that's been talked about a lot is uh, Instagram is just a really unhealthy place for young teenage girls, right? Like there's been multiple reports of, you know, teenage girls harming themselves and suicide because they're trying to level up to this visual appearance and aesthetic of all of these other girls on Instagram and it's fake, it's filters and There's also like a lot of bullying in in those age groups as well. Now, it will be interesting if uh, the Instagram algorithm, it turns out that, oh, they tend to optimize um, visibility of posts based upon, you know, let's say they're using machine learning to um, basically identify the content of the images and fashion related. Let's say we identify that that's basically being boosted, that kind of content, then you know, children's health groups and, and whatever else could then have a conversation in the public square about it. And to me, there's a benefit to that. Right. Um, but my worry about this is then a lot of these social media platforms would be put under such levels of scrutiny that I suspect that they would cave to consensus and then they would actually become less useful. Um, now I don't think we should be supporting teenage girls harming themselves, of course, but like, the knock on effect of that would not necessarily be useful, which I think is interesting. So, see, I mean, I don't know. Again, uh, like,
1: like all other conversations, this comes back to the issue is that they're optimizing for engagement. Whatever get, uh, and if you're a social media company, yeah. you go, it's not my fault that people are engaged by this. And you go, but big picture, this stuff causes harm. And that's what regulation it's is. It's a fair point. There's a
0: reason why, there's a reason why shitty reality tv shows are dominating tv networks right yeah so people like that stuff yeah it's and, garbage and, and, but people and, and, like it <laughs> and is it, a, is it a good idea um to go
1: well let's just give people what they want the whole time and the answer is probably not and that's why things like the bbc have a charter to provide programming which is not just the most popular but also hits a bunch of other needs and to me that's yep. important, and if you're a social media company, you have no obligation to do that at all, and maybe you should have an obligation in the same way the BBC does but that's a different yeah. that's a different discussion and now before we before not, it, we
0: wrap up the show as well, what do you think about the anonymous accounts thing like do you think so there's obviously been especially within um we've talked about this previously about uh, Elon Musk really started this trend of um he was wanting to um require uh verification credit card verification for people on twitter um uh, and um as a mechanism for dealing with bots and some of the other social media networks have been talking about like you know um uh paid plans and i think x are experimenting in is it new zealand with like it's like one dollar a They're year one dollar a month
1: it's pe- charging people a dollar, I, mean, I think it's New Zealand and somewhere else, I'm not sure exactly right
0: where. as a test of this, so putting the monetization of social media to one side, because we've kind of already talked about this, do you think they should ban anonymous accounts um i think, there's questions around like journalists uh, I, I I think all banning, kinds of questions. I think that.
1: banning anonymous accounts harms a whole bunch of people who you should not be trying to harm right. um. And does not fix the people who you want to fix. So, no, I think um banning anonymous accounts is a bad idea. Um, so it, so it, I, it, it, I, I get it, how... It, it the... doesn't fix the actual problem, and it does harm a bunch of other people. I mean, I think that it harms a bunch of other people, seems to be a kind of, oh, well, they're just a necessary, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs thing, because we need the real names policy to fix this. But I don't, think the pro- I don't think the policy fixes the thing you want it to fix. And in addition, it harms a shitload of other people.
0: <laughs> so I, I completely agree with you that it will harm a bunch of people where anonymity is essential for their safety, right? Journalists, um, oh, and not certain even citizens in parts of the world.
1: It's not even essential for their safety. There's a whole... Um, yes, I mean, absolutely. If you are um, an Iranian activist and you're told you have to post under your real name, it's like, fine, I'll just stop posting them, because if I post under my real name, the police will come around and hang me by my balls from the nearest lamppost. Um, yes, yes. So I'm not going to do that. But equally, it doesn't have to be literally, if anyone knows my name, I'll get killed. It, it's stupid things like having a female-sounding username means you get harassed a lot more, and so people should not necessarily have right. to do that. Right? Yeah. It it doesn't have yeah. to be life and, and death. Uh, There's a whole gradation of reasons why you might not want to post under your real name, which ought to be. There's no reason to force someone to do that because if you if you push people into it, they'll just go, fine, I'm gonna turn around and yeah. leave. And if that's what someone wants no. to do, if their vibe is, um we're not interested in being the town square, we're not interested in being the place where everything happens, we're gonna go. We are prepared to cut our user base to a hundredth of what it is now by demanding everyone sends in their credit card and their driving license. Then, sure, you go ahead and do that. Make yourself a tiny community of identified people. Whatever, that's your. That's what the thing you want that's to do, interesting, no though.
0: Problem. I mean, like we say, there's there's no doubt that that would have a, a negative impact on all the examples that we gave there. I can absolutely see that banning anonymous counts having a positive impact when it comes to reducing bots and reducing large-scale scam operations. Like I, on X, about a couple months ago, I was just inundated with these like scammy crypto, you know, coin things, right? And it seems to have gone away now, but I can see how, how it helps with that, but... What I don't see, and I can see to a degree how banning anonymous accounts would help when it comes to the level of dickheadery on some of these, pla- some of these platforms in the same way that for years we've seen in communities that when people are anonymous, like the dickheads will hide behind an, an anonymous account. There are some dickheads who will use their real identity and they're just committed to being a dickhead. But I'd say a significant amount of it's behind anonymous accounts, right? Um, and I think it will help with that. But what I don't know is to what extent. Like I can see ways in which it would help, and 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 like you say, you don't want to the breaking the eggs the omelet thing. Like we don't want the Iranian citizen activist to get hung because they, you know, um, Twitter gets hacked and um, their private details get leaked to you know to Iranian hackers, and boom. You
1: yeah, it's know. not even if Twitter gets uh, you know uh, it's. It's that that will be public. Well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, it I, could be. It could be that I, I somebody validates. Think,
0: it, it, it could be that no, but it, it could be that somebody validates their their identity with the company, but then their public persona is is, is anonymous. I think well, the they're, point they're, that Haley is make.
1: They're going to make Beyonce send in a picture of their passport, are they?
0: Right. I think that's what they're that's what they're proposing. Here, I do not right, believe they is, will do that at all. Actually. <laughs> Who would do what?
1: I don't, I don't think they'd make Beyonce sending a picture of her holding up her passport in front of her webcam at all.
0: But my point is, is that <laughs> I think that anonymity doesn't necessarily mean there's, there's a difference between verification and anonymity, right? I get the impression that Nikki Haley's primary desire here is verification. Not anonymity. I think it's it's making sure that there is
1: no, 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 no. some she, kind of... So, so she says every person on social media should be verified by their name. It's a national security threat. When you do yeah. that, all of a sudden, people have to stand by what they say. Now, you don't have to stand by what you say if Twitter knows your name, but no one else does. She's not talking about right. verification to the company that oh, you're interesting. posting on. She's talking about... Getting rid of anonymity in the public space, right? And my, yeah. such a move would increase, lead to an increase in civility, Haiti, please. When they know their pastor, their family members can see it, it's going to help our kids and it's going to help our country. She's not talking about you proving your identity to Twitter.
0: She's oh, talking about you have to stand by
1: to everybody, which is a bloody disastrous. It not only is it a disastrous idea, I don't think it will fix things. And more importantly, I don't get why this is the president's damn problem.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's fair to say that social media is so prevalent in society and there are so many negative consequences of it. I think it is their responsibility to have, to do to have thing, policy to do around things,
1: it. To do something which will fix it, yes, but requiring everyone to post under their real name and fundamentally endanger the safety of loads of people
0: is not right. Is, is that the right solution? So yeah. here you go, folks. This is a good opportunity to let us know what you think. Um, first of all, let us know, um, whether we should permanently kick Jeremy off the show because clearly, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, clearly well, we can, we, we can get by without him I, and I, he brings zero value. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, don't, I don't want to disappoint you, but I feel like this is not a door you necessarily want to open because we're never no, going to get a to open, going, No, absolutely keep jeremy but kick John out and stewart off the show yeah. just have it be the jeremy yeah. show yeah, and that what
0: happened. just the jeremy show we don't want yeah. that we don't want that uh but yeah let's know what you think about that we've talked about flying uh, autonomous helicopters and vr meetings and and uh and social media, let us know what you think, yeah. and uh we'll, we'll, uh, we'll thank you to Marius as yes, always. Well, for the, there are a couple the, of
1: other things I want to very, very briefly mention. The first one is thank you very much to Marius, go to nerdzoom.media, um, to, for all your audio editing needs because he's brilliant. And the second one is that a whole bunch of people have come to me over the last few months and said, Hey, the website's down a lot, isn't it? And we are including friend of the show Adam Sweet, who sent us a very nice email. He didn't, he sent us a very abusive email. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, but, but but he was correct um we are aware of this and moves are going on to fix this problem and hooray yes so
0: keep yeah your eye we'll out. be fixed in the next couple we, of weeks we so.
1: we are on it we know so yes thank you
0: <laughs> lovely all righty okay peace out everyone cheers all